Thank you, Irene, and thank you, Alvin, for, for writing that poem. So this morning, we're, we're talking about the story of David and Goliath. So we just read the, the story of David um, being anointed by, uh, by Samuel and being chosen as the true king. Uh, Emmett, you going to hang out here with me? Perfect. <laughs> so everyone's heard the story of, of David and Goliath, right? Um, even for the non-Christian, this story has, has been kind of seared into our brains. I mean, who doesn't like a good underdog story, especially in sports, right? You have, um, yeah, all the, this imagery of, of slaying the, this evil giant. We all want to believe that good, even though it's outnumbered or outmatched, uh, can still slay evil. But is that really what this, this story is about? So I don't believe the moral of the story is simply uh, you too can overcome big odds when God is with you. I think that's, that's part of it, but I think there's more to it than that. So trusting God in adversity and leaning on him for strength are, are very important things uh, for followers of Jesus to practice. But I think boiling down complex stories like this one and characters like the ones we have in this story to a single catchy phrase uh, or a soundbite or a tweet-sized phrase, um, we can miss a lot of what's going on in the story. So let's, let's spend some time this morning to look a bit closer at the story of David and Goliath. We've already read how um, God chose David to be the next king, and that's in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, now we move on to chapter 17. So if, you're, if you've got your Bibles out, you can open it there. That would be awesome. Um, first off, who are the main characters in the story? So you can just shout them out, who the main characters are in this story. We have David. <laughs> would be one. Um, any other main characters in the story? Saul. Yeah, David, Saul, and Goliath. Yeah, so those are, those are the main characters in, in chapter 17 here. So we have David, the, uh, the youngest son of Jesse. He's from Bethlehem. He's a shepherd. And it seems that, that his job was to bring his older brothers their lunch. So his, his dad um, gave him some grain and, and some other food. And he, and he, he was um, in charge of the sheep and also bringing his his uh, older brothers who fought in Saul's army their lunch. In the previous chapter, as we've, we've already said, David um, had been anointed by Samuel as the new king of Israel. So the big question is, will he be like Saul? Or will he be the king that Israel has been hoping for? So the other character we mentioned, Goliath. So who's Goliath? He's a Philistine warrior, a giant of a man. Goliath is either almost 10 feet tall or almost 7 feet tall. Uh, depending on whether you are following the Hebrew or the Greek version of the Old Testament. But still, he's one big dude. He's battle-hardened, well-armed, and armored. Uh, only a warrior of equal strength and skill could hope to defeat him, or someone uh, lucky, maybe. Then we have Saul, uh, the current king of Israel, who's lost his way. He was the most handsome man in Israel, um, head and shoulders taller than everyone else in the land, as we found out in 1 Samuel 9, verse 2. So Saul is supposed to be Israel's champion. He's supposed to be their true king, who leads with courage, who um, they can have confidence in. Basically, he's their Goliath. He's supposed to fight for them. Instead, we find out in 1 Samuel 17, verse 11, he hides in fear and is terrified. So in youth group, we talk about this all the time. Um, when you're reading the Bible, you have to pay attention. The biblical authors include details 
like this in order to, to comment on what the characters are like. So if you've read the Bible closely, you've noticed that the authors, they don't waste a lot of time describing how people look. Uh, so when they go out of their way like this, it should send alarm bells off in our heads and cause us to read more carefully and pay attention. Uh, examples of this would be um, Esau being described as red or hairy. Uh, Jacob is smooth-skinned and fair, right? So Esau, we know his character. He's, he's, fool, he's foolhardy. Um, he's headstrong. Um, we have Jacob, who's a trickster and manipulative. Uh, the physical descriptions tell us more than just what the character looked like. They tell us um, what their character, what their heart is like as well. So let the, let's set the scene a little bit for this, this, um, this battle. Imagine you have the Philistine army on one hill, the uh, army of Israel led by Saul, their king, on the other. So now the Philistines, they're stronger. They're better equipped. They've been using this advantage to make the people of Israel suffer for a very long time. And they have a secret weapon, a very large secret weapon, Goliath, their champion. Now he issues a challenge to the army of Israel. Why are you all coming out to fight? I am a Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send a man who will fight me. That's chapter 17, verse 8 to 10. So he does this for 40 days. <laughs> so there's two armies just hanging out for, for over a month. Um, uh, morning and evening, he comes out and challenges Israel. So David arrives, bringing his, his lunch for his brothers, uh, just as a Goliath is challenging Israel again. The army is pulling back in fear, and David asks, what's going on? Have you seen the giant? The man asked. This is in verse 25. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from, ta from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? What will happen? Who's this pagan uh, Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. So innocent, David. <laughs> I was only asking a question. Um, he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. So he asked three times. <laughs> so he's really perking his ears up. Um, I get a sense here that David is seeing an opportunity for himself here. Um, it would be nice to be a prince, right? <laughs> to be married to the king's daughter, uh, not to have to pay taxes, to be in line, uh, you know, in the, the line of succession. You know, that, those are, those are some, some things that could ad advance David personally. This kind of reminds me of the story of Joseph in the, in the Old Testament. Um, <laughs> Joseph um, talking with his brothers here. Um, oh, yeah, why, yes, brothers. Um, you've seen my amazing coat that my father uh, made especially for me. Yes, it is because I'm his favorite. Uh, oh, and, and I had a dream the other night that all of you bowed down before me, and I ruled over you. <sighs> Man, like, <laughs> I really understand why they hated him so much. <laughs> like, just this... <laughs> 
this cocky guy. <laughs> like, yeah, send, like, let's sell him to the Midianites, okay? Let's, let's just get him out of here. <laughs> it's the same with the story of Jacob. Um, you have this, this cocky young kid who, uh, through some hard life experience and learning from his mistakes and um, the, just the things that happen to him in life, learns humility. And I think that's an important point uh, that we'll, we'll come back to in a bit. The biblical story is fascinating for me because once you're aware of these, these little patterns or themes in different stories, they keep popping up all over the place. Uh, and it's, it's really exciting to, to see. So we all know what happens uh, next in the story. David is brought to Saul and he volunteers to fight Goliath. He tries on Saul's armor, but it doesn't fit. He, he doesn't feel right in it. He doesn't feel comfortable. So he gives that up and he chooses a different weapon. He chooses his sling a weapon that he is quite familiar with, and he goes out, and against all odds, he wins the battle and kills Goliath. As I was uh, preparing this morning, Keith was gracious enough to share some of his thoughts on the story with me, and, and he wrote this. Upon further reflection of this story, it's clear that David won this battle, but Goliath won the war. For you see, the spirit of Goliath was in the heart of David and lives on alive and well today. David realized that he could not beat Goliath at his own game using swords and armor, so David used a sling. He found a different set of tools, but he was still playing the same game, violence. This, is in part, um, this in part is why I do not follow David, but I follow the son of David. Jesus also realized that he could not beat Goliath with swords and armor. Jesus also knows that picking up a sling or any other, any other weapon would only ensure that the spirit of Goliath is undefeated. When we use violence to overthrow violence, the only winner in that war is violence. We applaud David's courage to fight Goliath. We applaud David's ability to see he could not beat Goliath with his sword and his armor. We applaud David's faith in God, but in doing so, are we applauding violence as the solution to the problem of violence? These stories that we're, we've been going through have a way of, of making their way into our everyday lives, and I think it's important that we, we realize that. Um, there's more going on in this story. David is a complex and complicated character, like so many in the Bible are. He's called a man after God's own heart in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. And yet, he raped Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, one of his trusted friends. And then to cover up that sin, he had Uriah murdered. So I've titled this sermon, We Need Another David. And thank you, Alvin, for the last line of your poem um, that I used for that. The big question when David was chosen to be the next king of Israel was what kind of a king was he going to be? Was he just going to be another Saul? Or was he the king that Israel had been waiting for? Now David was a cocky young kid who through hard life experience, you could read his entire story, um, a lot of it is very challenging uh, for David and the mistakes that he made and things that, that happened to him. And he learned from his mistakes, I think. <laughs> and he learned humility. 
When David got it right, he gave the people a picture of what a true king looks like. When David got it wrong, he made the people long for the real thing, the true king who's yet to come. Later in this story, David longs to build a house of worship for Yahweh in his newly conquered capital city of Jerusalem. But God responds in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 8, You have killed many men in the battles you have fought, and since you have, you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. It will be up to David's son, Solomon, whose name literally means man of peace, to build the first temple in Jerusalem. And yet, if you know the story of Solomon, he fails spectacularly. When Israel's kings got it right, they gave the people a picture of what the true king looks like. When Israel's kings got it wrong, they made the people long for the real thing and the true king who's yet to come. At the end of the story um, that we just read in the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, it, it, it wraps up by saying, God chose David to be the king because God was getting his people ready for an even greater king who was coming. And Emmett, you said it. It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer that we've been looking for. And in case you haven't realized it, we've discovered it. The true son of David, the true man of peace, the one who builds the temple, it's Jesus. The master that we follow is the true king. It's not David. He's the true warrior that conquers not with violence, but by laying down his life. Jesus calls all of us to do the same, to follow him in overcoming violence, to overcoming Goliath, not with more violence, but by self-sacrifice and working together for peace. Jesus is the true king of peace who will build God's temple, and it's his own body. I'm going to end with a, a quote um, by Brian Zahn. We cannot help Jesus repair the world and build the true house of the Lord if we remain fascinated with the violent ways of David, the warlord. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to draw us away from our misguided allegiance to nationalism, to violence, and to war, we can labor with the true son of David to build a temple from which flows a healing river, expanding the borders of peace. But to do this, we have to believe in Jesus as the son of David who builds the house of the Lord without violence. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I thank you that, that you are the true David, the true king that we've been waiting for. Thank you that you came as a, as a baby into this world uh, and to that tiny town of Bethlehem so many years ago, and you came not to conquer with, with swords uh, or violence, but you came to give yourself. You came to conquer by laying down your, your life. You came to save us, Jesus, not to rule over us. Thank you for that. Thank you for your sacrifice, and I pray, Jesus, that we will all have the courage the, um, the strength to follow you. I pray that you will give us that strength 
as we go about our day, as we go about our week, Jesus, that we will choose to be people of peace, that reject violence. And that doesn't mean we, we let people walk over, all over us, but we, we find ways to respond um, to violence with love. And I think, Jesus, that is how you are transforming this world. That is how you are making this world new. And I thank you that we can be a part of your mission. Amen.